Matthew chapter 5, and we'll just have a short reading today. This is the third in our series, The Greatest Sermon Ever Told. We've looked first of all at the introduction and Jesus teaching on the mountain, seated with his disciples around him and people listening in the distance as well. We've talked about the the Beatitudes, those who are truly blessed. And today we come to uh, Matthew 5 and verses 13 to 16, salt and light. And we're going to be looking at our influence on society today. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Let's pray together, shall we? Oh God, this Sunday as we gather together, we recognise that we are living in a world that so desperately needs to know you. God, we uh, recognise that this world is a place that is just so full of so many things that are opposed to you and against you. God, we see sin all around us. We see so many times the things that are on television, the things that we hear and experience at our workplaces, the things that are being debated in Parliament cause us grief as your followers. And God, today, we, we, as we open your word and as we hear you saying that you call us to be salt and to be light in this world, We just ask this morning, God, that you would speak to us and challenge us about how we, your followers, can make an influence in our society. God, we do want to be used in the life that you've given us to help affect the people around us, to bring light to those in darkness. God, we just pray that this morning as we wrestle through your word that you would speak to us as you spoke to your disciples on that mountain so many years ago. God, we pray that this morning as we give later on in the service to the Yao people of Malawi and to the work that's going on there, we pray that that would help have an influence over there. And God, now as we come to give our regular gifts, our tithes and our offerings, God, we pray that the money that we give today will help continue to advance your kingdom here in Wodonga, in, in our church, God, in the, the lives that you are touching through our church. We pray that many people will be blessed and lives will be changed through our giving now. So we come and we give and we say thank you, God, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. We're now going to give just about our influence as Christ's followers, as his disciples on society. Um, there's a story that's told about the keeper of the spring. And the keeper of the spring was a, a quiet forest dweller who lived high above the Austrian village 
along the eastern slopes of the Alps. The old gentleman had been hired many years ago by a young town council to clear away the debris from the pools, from the pools of water in the mountain crevices that fed the lovely flowing springs that flowed through their town. With faithful and silent regularity, he patrolled the hills, removed the leaves and branches and wiped away the silt that would otherwise choke and contaminate the fresh flow of water. By and by, the village became a popular attraction for vacationers. Graceful swans floated along the crystal clear spring. The millweeds of various businesses located near the water turned day and night. Farmlands were naturally irrigated and the view from restaurants was picturesque beyond description. Years passed. One evening, the town council met for its, annual, uh, its semi-annual meeting. As they reviewed the budget, one man's eye caught the salary figure being paid to the obscure keeper of the spring said the keeper of the purse, who is the old man? Why do we keep him on year after year? No one ever sees him. For all we know, the strange ranger of the hills is doing us no good. He isn't necessary any longer. By a unanimous vote, they dispensed with the old man's services. For several weeks, nothing changed, but... Early autumn, the trees began to shed their leaves. Small branches snapped off and fell into the pools, hindering the rushing flow of sparkling water. One afternoon, someone noticed a slight yellowish-brown tint in the spring. A couple of days later, there was the, 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 the tint was much darker. Within another week, a slimy field covered sections of the water along the banks and a foul odour was soon detected. The millweeds moves slower. Some finally ground to a halt. Swans left, as did the tourists. Clammy fingers of disease and sickness reached deep into the village. Quickly and embarrassed, the council called a special meeting. Realising their gross error in judgement, they hired back the old keeper of the spring and within a few weeks the veritable river of life began to clear up. The wheels started to turn and new life returned to the hamlet in the Alps once again. It's a made-up story. But the point of it is incredible, isn't it? That often the things that we don't see in our society can have an invasive impact on helping keep a society good. And this morning's uh, message is something that can really impact you and me today if we take Jesus' words clearly. Because if you take the words that Jesus speaks today in the Sermon on the Mount, you will make a difference in other people's lives throughout your life. A great difference. You will affect those that you meet in your workplaces, in your family, in your street, all around. Uh, what you'll do is if you take the words of Jesus this morning is you'll realise that your life has really mattered and it's brought glory to God because of the way that you've lived it. You won't be seen as someone who's irrelevant, the life that you have. Uh, 
you'll, uh, people you love will be helped and they'll sin less because of your purifying influence on them. And you'll be fulfilled because you'll be doing what God wants you to do. You'll be part of making this world a better place. And together, if we all do this, then we can impact the lives of many, many, many people. So Jesus has talked about those who are truly blessed, the traits of those who are his followers. And as he looks at his disciples and calls them to live a life that is countercultural, as he calls them to not be like the rest of the society around them, as he calls them out to a life of radical discipleship, of following him in a world that is completely different, he looks at them and he says, you are the salt of the earth. Imagine Jesus looking at you saying, you are the salt of the earth. But that wasn't enough for his declaration. He continued on with another declaration. He said, you are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. It's breathtaking what Jesus is saying here. He's looking at his disciples and he's looking them straight in the eye and saying, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And today, Wodonga District Baptist Church, if you are followers of Jesus, if you've given your life to him, if you're one of his disciples, he's looking at you this morning and saying, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Wow. It's incredible. When we wish to kind of say that someone's a really great bloke or a great person. We say, oh, that person is the salt of the earth. You know, they're worth their salt. The salt was highly valued in ancient times. It was something that was really useful. And uh, there was a, a, a phrase which in Latin is kind of like a jingle that the Romans said. They said, there is nothing more useful than sun and salt. doesn't really have a jingle ring to it in English, does it? But that's what they used to say. There is nothing more useful than sun and salt. And in Jesus' time, salt uh, had a number of important qualities. I just want to share with them because it's share, share them with you because it's important for us to understand what Jesus might have had in mind when he looked at his disciples and as he looks at us today, he say, you are the salt of the earth, the declaration that he was saying to them and what he's saying to us. The first thing that salt was often seen to, to symbolise and to mean was that it was concerned with purity. Salt was white. Salt was pure. Salt was uh, something that was pure. In, there was a Latin phrase, um, or, no, not a Latin phrase. There was a, the Romans said this kind of thing. They said, Salt was the purest of all things because it came from the purest of all things, the sun and the sea. So purity was what salt was seen as a symbol of. And when Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you are the salt of the earth, one of the characteristics uh, of these disciples is that they would live in a world that is unpure in a way that is pure. So in other words, in a world that 
standards are often lowered. You know, it's okay just to cut a corner here or to take something here from work. Everybody's doing it. Or it's okay just to fudge a little bit on the tax. Or if you can get away with this, you can do No, no, Jesus would say, you are the salt of the earth. You're pure. I want you to live a life that is not divided. I want you to live a life that is totally devoted to me. One that is who you are, is what you say you are, and live a life of purity. Standards of honesty, diligence of work, the standards of uh, conscientiousness, of moral standards, they all tend to be lowered today. And yet for the follower of Christ, for the person that wants to live in this world uh, as a follower of him that stands out, the Christian must be one who's pure in speech and in thought. Are you? Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Another thing uh, the salt was used for, you know, one of the main uses was uh, as a preservative. They didn't have uh, Harvey Normans or, you know, the good guys back in those days. And you couldn't just go and buy a, a freezer for your fish or your food. And it would go off. It would rot. And, and quickly, um, things that were good would go bad because there was no... Uh, place to freeze them. So what they would do is they would get salt and they would rub it right into the fish and to the food and it would, it would halt its decay. It would help to stop it from decaying as quickly. And people use salt to stop food from decaying. And so salt, when Jesus was looking at his disciples and saying, you're the salt of the world, I think he must have been thinking you are the salt of the world. You are the ones that will stop, help to stop the world from decaying. You are the ones that, because of your influence, will make the, the rotting of the earth less. It will, it will slow it down. Um, we all know people, don't we, who, when you're around them, you feel just like being a better person around them. You know? Uh, they're people that make you want to live a life that's more pure. You don't want to sin while you're around them because of who they are and what they stand for. Then perhaps you also know what it's like to be around people who it's much easier to lower our standards with. You know, they're people that kind of encourage you to sin, that spur it on, that sort of say, you know, come on, it doesn't really matter. And when Jesus looked at them, he said, you are the salt of the world. You're the ones that are to preserve the world, help stop it from decaying more and more by having an influence, by rubbing in and getting into society around you so that the sin is stopped. And people sin less when they're around you. And by this way, you can help, you know, pull back the tide of sin, the ultimate desire for us as Christians is to help people to rub in so much in society that we influence them to a way that they might come to know Jesus and become salt themselves. Christians must be like the cleansing antiseptic in any society. They must be the ones who, by their presence, defeat corruption and make it easier for others to be good. Are you? Is that what you're like? 
Because Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. Another uh, use of salt is uh, probably the one that's most obvious to us today is that when salt is added to things, it adds flavour to it. And uh, our family, we love fish and chips. We, we just, it's a big deal when we get fish and chips. And we gather around and we, and we just love eating it. But I can remember one day when we bought fish and chips when we were down at the beach and I'd gone away and the family had waited back and I got fish and chips and we came back and we opened fish and chips on the beach but there was no salt in them. And I, I can still remember my disappointment to this day. <laughs> and I realised how much salt makes a difference when it comes to fish and chips. And here we are with, with seawater and sand everywhere, but no salt on the fish and chips. And we had to eat every bit of it, and it really upset me. <laughs> yeah, food without salt, especially fish and chips, can be terrible. It can be annoying, it can be frustrating, it can be bland. And, you know... Uh, Christianity is to life what salt is to food. Uh, Christians are supposed to lend flavour to life. Sadly, so often when people think about the church, often they think anything but flavour. You know, there have been people who have constantly looked at Christians and, and said, oh, no. It's, it's bland, they're bland. You know, Constantine, uh, he'd made Christianity the religion of the Roman Empire and there came after him to the throne an emperor called Julian who wished to put the clock back on what Constantine had, had um, put into place and he wanted to bring back the old gods that Constantine had, had got rid of. And his complaint um, was like this, have you looked at all the Christians closely? Hollow-eyed, pale-cheeked, flat-breasted. They, all, they brood all their lives away, unspurned by ambition. The sun does not shine for them. You know, you're thinking, these poor Christians, they, let's just get rid of them, they were saying. You know? And, and um, many people, uh, often we can be like that. But Jesus says, no, no, you are the salt of the earth. You're to add flavour in the way that you live. You should, be, you should spice things up at work. You know, it should be fun to be around you at work. You should bring a joy and a peace and an excitement about life that has an anticipation of what God might do today in your workplace with your kids as you, as you go to mother's group or as you go off to different places at school and at uni. There should be an excitement about life because God has given you a purpose. There's meaning to your life. You're the salt. Of the earth. There's another thing that salt does, and it makes people thirsty, doesn't it? Fish and, fish and chips make you thirsty. Salt and vinegar chips, you know, after that, I just, you might, it makes me thirsty. And you know, salt does make us get thirsty. And I think when Jesus was saying that, you know, it, he, he was kind of saying to his disciples, live the kind of life that make people thirst for me. Make people thirst for what you have. Uh, may people so know you that they long for what you have because your life makes them thirsty for godliness, for righteousness, for holiness. 
there's a, a story of a great missionary who once walked off the boat in, in China. And as he was walking away to begin his mission, a, a prostitute came up to him and said, you know, um, how, I'd like to sleep with you. you know, and the missionary just couldn't co- kind of comprehend what, was, what she was saying. And he, he said, sorry, what, what, what were you saying? And she said, said again, you know, would you like to you know, kind of explain it? And he just wept. He cried right in front of her and she cried and then the two of them cried and he said, you know, oh, let me tell you why you are such a special person and, that, you know, that you would be doing this and together the, she longed for what he had and for the way he thought about her. She wanted to be thought of like that. And she gave her life to Christ. Salt. She was thirsty for what he had and she gave her life to him. Jesus says, you the salt of the earth. Why don't you, we don't do this ever, but why don't you just nudge the person next to you and say, you're the salt of the earth. Because <laughs> it's true. He said that. He wouldn't have said that if it wasn't true. Okay, He's making a declaration. If you have given your life to Jesus, if you trust in him as your Lord and Saviour, you can underline it. You can put your name in there. You know, I am the salt of the earth. It's true. Jesus didn't stop there. He said, you are the light of the world. This is his second declaration in this passage. You are the light of the world, he says. You know, he's referring to Christians and he's referring to those who live out the Beatitudes. You know what's interesting as he says, you are the light of the world, is that in John 8 verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so the reason we are the light of the world is because we are followers of the light of the world. It's Jesus Christ in us, in our lives, in our actions, that causes us to shine. It's not something that we do because we're really great people. It's Jesus in us that causes us to shine. So Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you are the light of the world. What is it that shines? Well, in verse 16, we read that it's our good deeds, our lives, our actions, including our testimony about Christ that shines. It seems that uh, good works is an expression here that covers everything that a Christian says and does because of his Christian faith. So the way that we live, the way that we think, the way that we act. And since when light is a common biblical symbol for truth, this includes not only our activities and our actions, like just living a good life by doing good works, but when he says you're the light of the world, he means you're you're the truth, you're the ones to speak the truth about me, to testify about me, to tell others about who I am. So we're talking about your good works, which also includes telling people about Jesus, demonstrating in our lives by actions and speech. Jesus says, you know, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And uh, at night, you can see a hill from a long, long way way away because of the lights. I can remember as a kid uh, with my family traveling in the back seat 
and we went to Mount Gambia. My, my mum's parents lived there. And I remember late at night we would get there and we'd come up to sort of a hill just that approached Mount Gambia. And as we got to the top, we would be able to tell that we were getting there because you could see the kind of reflections of the light in the sky. So it was pitch black, but you could see it getting brighter. And then as we got up on the hill, you'd look up and there's just lights everywhere and you think, we're almost there. And for kids who stay, are we there yet? That was just a real great joy for us. And, you know, it's the same. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And, and lights make a city obvious and it makes it seen. You know, this was even clearer in the ancient times because um, today our skies are brighter at night just because there's more lights around. So if some of you live a long way out from a city, you'll notice that it's darker at night where you are because there's no, not as many lights around. You know, if you're a place where there's hardly any lights at all, the place is pitch black. You can hardly see, you know, the hand in front of your face. Whereas if you live in here at Wodonga, there's lights around. It makes the whole place brighter. You know, the, the, the point is, in, in the day when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, they would have known what it was like to be a pitch black. And when you got to a city, they would have known that it was so much brighter around. And we're to light up the darkness around us. We're those who shine in a dark world. We're those that will point people towards the light of the world, Jesus Christ. We're those that are to show his truth in our lives as the light of the world. We're having a bit of fun this morning, aren't we? Why don't you tap the person next to you and say, you are the light of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Again, hey, it is true. The reason you can say that if you trust in Jesus Christ is because it's true. You can underline it. You can mark it down. I am the light of the world because Jesus said it. And if you're trusting in him, he wouldn't have said it if he wasn't true. Isn't that good, you salty, lighty people? (laughs) It's exciting. But then Jesus then comes and he says this great warning. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown and trampled by men. Uh, Then he says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. He says, you are the light of the world. But if, but if you put it under a bowl, no one will see it. You are the salt of the earth. But if you lose your saltiness, oh, it's useless. You know, the effectiveness of salt is uh, conditional. It must retain its saltiness. Now, strictly speaking, the truth is that salt can never lose its actual saltiness. Sodium chloride is a very stable chemical compound which is resistant to nearly every attack, but it can become contaminated when mixed with other impurities. You know, it can be... um, It loses effective when other compounds come in and, and make it less effective. It can be then useless, even dangerous. This is what uh, William Barclay says. He says, in, in Palestine, the ordinary oven is out of the outdoors and is uh, built uh, of stone on a base of tiles, the oven. So built with stone and a base of tiles. And under the tiles, they would put 
uh, layers of salt to help retain the heat. And after a certain length of time, the salt perishes because of the heat and the other uh, matter that gets in there as well, and it loses its power to heat the tiles, and it's thrown out onto the ground out in front of the houses. And so you'd walk down the streets and you'd see all this white stuff that looked like salt, but it was so contaminated that it was just useless and worthless. And he's saying, this is a picture of what it's like. And just like that, the followers of Jesus, uh, we're, called that, we're told that we are salt and we're the salt of the earth, but we'll have little impact if we allow ourselves to become so contaminated by all the different things around us that we become irrelevant to a dying world. You know, the truth is that if you, instead of looking to Jesus, you know, try and get really busy doing all good things for Jesus, but forget that the whole reason you're doing good things is because of your relationship with Jesus and you become disconnected from your relationship with the Father and you're so busy running around trying to do everything and just being a really good person, then your effectiveness as salt and light is lost. And, and people will think, well, that's a really nice person, but there's no salt in them. They're just, they're just kind of bland. They're not adding flavour. Or if you be one that loses your purity because you start to allow your standards to drop as a follower of Christ and you start to say, hey, you should know about Jesus. And people go, but look at your life. You're no different to me. You're no different. You lose your saltiness. And people say, why would I even listen to you? Are you just good enough to be thrown out on the road and trampled on and walked by? Because I, I need salt. I need something real. I need light. I need truth. And yet you just seem to water it down. No, you don't stand up for sin when I'm around you. You know, when I'm around you, I feel like just being just like I always am. You don't help preserve the place. You don't help stop me from sinning. You're irrelevant. Just walk on by. What a warning. And he says, you're the light of the world. You know, have you ever been in a place where um, people have been having dinner together and having a party or something, and all of a sudden, bang, the lights go out. You know, people, kids scream, oh, help. Dad fumbles around for the matches and finally he lights the candle. And we go, oh, good. Can you imagine him saying, that's all right, now we'll just cover it all up again. Yeah, oh, no. You know, it would be terrible to light a candle after the power's gone out and then say, well, now let's just cover it up again. And he's saying, you're the light of the world. No one lights a candle and then puts it under a lamp. You just shine. So to... Be a committed follower of Christ, to have the light of the world as your Lord and Saviour, to know him and to love him and then not to shine. How silly. Don't do it, Jesus says. So the answer that comes back to you and I is to, we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. But there's grave warnings here that if we don't shine, if we don't use our salt to influence others, We'll be just walked by on the side of the road by a world that is dying, that desperately needs us. So Jesus says, shine. Get into society. Make an influence. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown and trampled on by men. And Jesus says, by inference here, you know, you are the salt. Be careful not to do it, but you know what? Get out there. Because you don't want to be left on the side of the road. Be who you're supposed to be. Make a difference. Be a purifier. 
at work. You know, don't steal. Don't steal from your employer, no matter how many small, or how small it is. You know, get out there. Be a preserver. Um, help stop the sin in your area of influence. I remember being at AMP and an, uh, an insurance agent coming in one day. We opened his computer and started to show me some pornography, and I just said, "I'm not interested." And he, he sort of shut the thing and went out again. You know. And stopped him from showing that. And he was more discreet in the future. There are times when people are publicly and openly just take the Lord's name in vain. Maybe just by you saying, did you know I know Jesus? And he makes a real lot to me. And every time you say that, it's just like, for me, he's someone I love. And you're using his name in vain. You know, that might stop them saying their name, Jesus' name in vain 20, 30 times for the rest of the month. And you're helping preserve, so to make a difference. I know that often there are, uh, there are issues that come up all the time in the papers and the news. Have an input in them. Be salt and light as you're talking about it. Jesus is saying here, be salt and light. There are great organisations that will help you think through theologically issues that are going on in our newspapers. Two Three quick websites that would help you in this area if you want to be salt and light on issues that are taking place all the time in Parliament, things. Salt Shakers, you could just do a search on that. Salt Shakers in Melbourne. Um, The other one is the Australian Christian Lobby, if you want to look up that one as well. And the other one is the Evangelical Alliance. They write papers, help you think through theologically different issues that are facing. If you read some of these articles and the issue comes up during work, you can have a Christian perspective that can help People think through issues and make a difference in your workplace. Often, um, that's a great way to add flavour. You know, I want to say you can add flavour by loving people, spending time with them, understanding their pain, their hurt, helping them whenever you can. You can live a kind of life that makes the places where you are more fun, more flavoursome, more more good to be around. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. May the people around you know that and see your life as being a life that's lived in the full. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city cannot, on a hill cannot be hidden, so don't hide your lamp. So when Jesus says, you know, you can hide it under a lamp, don't do that. What I think he's saying is take out a 100-watt globe and shine. You know, don't be a 40-watter. Be someone who shines and shines in your community. Share with people the reason that you know that you're forgiven. Share with people the reason that you know that you'll live forever. Share the people the reason that you have coverage and strength for today, living each day knowing God's will. You know, in a world of negativity, in a world of put-down, in a world of self-centred living, be positive, be encouraging, be self-serving. Let your good works speak so strongly that people will look at them and praise God and see the difference in you. You are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Now, just as we close, I just want to ask you, what about you today? How can you become more salty, more light? You know, I know as a pastor, because of my busyness, I can, uh, or just because a lot of people I know are Christian people, I really need to think through how I can connect with people that are the salt of the earth. Not, Jesus doesn't say you're the salt of the church. So for me, the challenge is constantly how can I develop 
and help people, uh, help to interact with people that are not from the church, that are not Christians. And I, I think for some of us that might be the same issue for you. How can I actually... Uh, a lot of the people I know are Christians. I'm in different groups at the church. I'm in a small group. A lot of my social networks are Christians. And I think Jesus is saying today for some of you, in order to be more salty, in order to be light, you've got to shine where there's darkness. You've got to get in where there is decay. And, and I think some of us need to really wrestle with, is it time that we actually took up an activity where there are a lot of non-Christians around, where I can actually be with them and get to influence them, get close enough to them? I just want to encourage you today, if that's you, to take the next step. Think about something you love doing where you might be able to spend time with them. If it's your workplace, you know, say, God, help me to be intentional about that. Most people have so many non-Christian people that are around them that you can just start to do that now. There might be other people this morning who say, hey, I feel just helpless. I don't feel like I am the salt of the earth or the light of the world. You know, you're telling me that, but in my work, everyone thinks I'm just hopeless. Everyone thinks I'm... I'm incompetent or I can't get the job done or I've got you know, issues that I'm struggling with in my life that people look at me and laugh. I just want you to stand in the promise today. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Take it. Believe it. And God says, don't, start, don't just hide and pretend that you're not. Start being it. So for some of you, you might be in a in a workplace where you've been for a couple of months, no one knows you're a Christian. Maybe it's been a couple of years and you've never shared with anyone. I just want to say, if you uh, uh, keep it quiet that you're a Christian, then you will, that's a self-working prophecy, a self-fulfilling decision. You won't be an effective Christian because you'll be quiet. No one will know about it. So I just reckon tomorrow, just go in, pray for an opportunity to tell people what you did on the weekend, why you went to church, why you really feel like it's important for you to have a faith and that Jesus Christ is one you've come to put your trust in. Just share that in the most natural way. Let people know. I think this morning for each of us, uh, there are some of you here who think I am not the light of the world. I'm not the salt of the earth because I don't know Jesus Christ. I just want to challenge you today. Uh, If you don't know Jesus, you can't be salty. You can be a nice person, that's for sure. If you don't know Jesus, you can't be the light because you don't know the light. You can try to be happy, someone who puts on some happiness for a little while, but you have to know the light of the world before you can shine. You have to know the salt of the earth before you can affect others in our society. If that's you today, today I just want to say make the decision to follow him. Um, Make the decision to sign up to the inquirer's course. Come down the front to pray for people after. And... Church, let's all get out this week and make a great influence on society for better. Let's pray, shall we? God, thank you that you have promised us that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We take that responsibility really seriously this morning. Oh, God, we hear your warnings so clearly through Scripture that if we don't do what we are, we could just become irrelevant hidden, people that the world just walks by and we don't affect. Oh, God, may that never be said of us. This morning, God, help us to uh, go from here today determined to cry out to you for strength as the light of the world, determined to cry out to you as the salt of the earth. God, help us to influence society 
this week as we look to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, um, before you, you have your blue cards and we'd just love you now to just respond. It might be just for a few moments. Then after that, we're going to um, move into a time when we come to have our offering, our se- second offering. So if you'd just like to respond now by filling out the blue card at the moment.